Hi there. Thank you for joining us on this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. We believe that this message will bless your heart and enrich your walk with Jesus. Amen. And while they're taking up offering, Werner, I just sense in my heart that the Lord wants to quiet you down. And I hear the words God says, slow down, slow, just, just slow it down. And um, don't be anxious. And I hear the Lord says that, that he's, he's calling you back to just basic simplicity. And uh, I see your mind going around. You're trying to figure things out. And you're like, I need to be there. I need to do this. I, I need to pray harder. I need to do this more and that. And I just hear the Lord says, hey, just, just quiet down and just come back to sit at my feet. Just be in a place where you just receive and let my love just wash over you. Just see the Lord that says, don't be anxious. And you, you're like, can I do this? Can I do that? I need to do more of this. And I hear the Lord says, hey, just slow down, slow down. I'm going to quiet. The word speaks about, I'm going to quiet you with my love. And I see the Lord coming, and as you sit down, He quiets you. And there's realignment, refocus in, in what the Lord brings in your heart and in your mind and your spirit. I see the enemy really try to derail you. But God brings a focus again to, to see the things that you should see. And to see the things as they are, really, and, and, and what God has said over you. And I hear that the Lord wants to remind you as a family, again, about the words and His promises. And that His word is true and it's strong and it's powerful. But I see God says in this season, let that word be a powerful sword in your mouth. It's the two-edged sword that cuts and pierces and divides and brings separation between mind and body, soul and, and spirit and, and bone and marrow. And let the Word of God do its work because it's an active and a live sword. It's powerful. And I want to remind you that God says His Word speaks about our weapons, our warfare, are strong to, to cast down principalities. That just to remind you again, our battle is not against flesh and blood. That God says there's a place and you need to know that this is where you fight your battle. But, but that song that we sang this morning prophetically is just God wants to quiet you with his love and say, I'm surrounding you. Just be at a place of peace. Don't be anxious and allow me to just refocus you in this season. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's give God glory. Amen. Are you blessed? Come on. Is the anointing this side this week? Because hey? last week it looks like it was in the middle and that side. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, that, that as we start with laying a foundation for the next season, Father, that you will come and do a powerful thing in us. And that we will hear your word, Father, as we said, and that we will respond to your word. And that our spirits will listen. And the spirit man will understand. We just give our hearts and our lives, our control, our destiny over to you this morning and say we surrender and you come and fill this place, Holy Spirit. Come and fill this place. Come and just take a deep breath and allow him to, to fill you up. Come and fill the place this morning, Father, with your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, that, that as we trust you, you come and do a mighty, 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 mighty thing. We praise you. We glorify you. We declare that there's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Father. Just be still and know that the Lord is. Be still that the Lord is. Amen. 
I'm going to start just reading out of a scripture, out of Leviticus 6, and we're going to start today um, the conference in November, 11, 12, 13 November, it's RTA, Raising the Altar. And we're going to do a raising the altar because in, in 1 Kings 18, there's, there's a condition in the land and they're in trouble and there's drought and all these things. And God speaks to his prophet Elijah and he says, my altar lays in ruins. And he says, come and rebuild my altar and then I will heal the altar and I will come and restore. And we need because either if you, whether you don't know it or not, there's many altars in your life. There's family altars, there's personal altars, there's corporate altars. And whatever is the stronger altar operates. There's regional altars, there's things, there's strongholds. And um, we are spirit, amen? And we need to do spiritual things and understand what's in the spirit. And there's a stronghold. Remember what he says is that you first bind the strong man and then you can clean out the house. Amen? Okay. The site, amen? That's good. So there's, there's different things. An altar gives you access. It's a connecting point to the heavenlies. It's a harm. God, had, and we spoke once on altars before, but we're going to lay a couple of foundations so that we can shift our hearts and our minds and our postures towards what God wants to do. Because an altar, this is, this is the, the, the pattern of, remember, whatever we do, we follow the pattern of. We follow the pattern and, and Jesus did certain things. So there were certain commands. So today you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the, the temple of God. And in the Old Testament, the pattern of the temple, there were certain emblems and there were certain instruments and furniture and things that represented things. The, the table of shewbread, the, the um, uh, lampstand, the altar of incense, all these things. The altar of incense was a fragrance that released. God speaks in the New Testament and says, you are the fragrance, the aroma of Christ. Amen. So there's a mirroring, there's a typology, there's a, a, a showing, looking towards Jesus. So in the Old Testament, Leviticus 6, God commands Aaron and, and the priest and the offerings and he says that um, they shall take off garments and put on other garments. Who of you remember a while back we said there's a change of garment? It's a change of garment. You are all called as a royal priesthood. And this is what happens. They say, you take off your garment, you put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to clean a place. The fire on the altar shall be kept on burning. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning and he shall arrange the burnt offering on it and it shall burn it on the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall be kept on the altar continually and it shall not go out. God speaks that we are an altar. Your life is an altar to the Lord and he says the fire on the altar should never go out. Amen. Come on, let's say that again. Let's say it together. The fire on the altar should never go out. It should never go out. That's what God says. And your life is an altar and God comes and when you bring a sacrifice, because an altar is a place where God wants to alter something in your life. An altar is a place where sacrifice takes place. An altar is for sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? It's something that you bring and you kill. You kill. There's a blood. And God says, I want your life. I've got good news to you. God's got a plan for your life. Amen? His plan is to kill you. 
wants to kill you, your flesh. Because God wants your life for His glory. Amen. So he says, let the altar or the fire on the altar never go out. And while I was preparing for the last week or two, God's been doing something in my heart and spirit. And, and I went to the book of 1 Samuel 5. And that's where the, the Philistines capture the ark. There's, there's war and they capture the ark. And um, it speaks about the, the, the different places. So they take the ark, the Philistines, and they put it in the temple of Dagon. And the morning they come, the statues fell over. And they put it up again. Next morning they get there, the statues fell over and his, his head was rolling away. And what happens is the Ark of Covenant, which is God's glory and God's presence, is in the Philistines' camp. And they put it with their other gods. And their other gods fall off and they die and they break into pieces. But tumors and boils and sickness and all these diseases appears on the people. So what they do is they take the ark to the next city. And as they take the ark there, same happens. People start to get sick and cancer and tumors and all these things appear and diseases and, and all these things happen. And then they take it to the next one and it happens. And when they want to take it to another city, say, ah, we see the pattern. How many of you sometimes see a pattern in your life and you realize something's going on? And they see a certain pattern and say, we don't want it. I said, take it back to Israel. Take it back to them. So they build a cart and they go and they transport it and they take it to the house of Abinadab. Yo, these, these are biblical names. Abinadab. Praise God, we've got normal names. So they take it and the ark resides with Abinadab for over 20 years. For more than 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant stays with Abinadab. And now David is, is king and he says it's time for the Ark of the Covenant. So it's, it's say 20 to 25 plus years that the Ark of the Covenant has been absent from Israel. With the enemy, the Philistines, and they, they put it there for about 20 years at Abinadab's place. And David says it's time to bring back the Ark of the Lord to Israel. So there's a history of how they transported it, the, the Philistines. So 2 Samuel 6, let's read together, says, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 of them. And David arose and he went with all the people who were with, with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took a hold of it for the oxen had stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his anger. And he died there beside the ark of God. And David was so angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And at that place, he called it Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Jittite. 
the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed Edom the Jittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and he was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. The Amplified speaks, he says that David, his anger broke against God, but he says the Amplified says David grieved and he was offended. David grieved and he got offended with God because of his anger against Uzzah. You see, and, and so many times in our lives we have settled for second best. What does the ark of God present? It's, some, it's the glory and the presence of God. Remember in the temple when, when you had the tent, the ark was in, in darkness. It, it, it had its own light because of the glory of God. So the only light in the temple, in the tabernacle, was, was the lampstand. And in the Holy of Holies, you did not need any light. The glory of God was shining. The glory of God was present. And the ark says that it speaks of God's presence, God's glory, God's power. And we've settled for second base because the ark of covenant, so many times we come and we say, we, un we only want God's glory every now and then. Then we're okay. But God says you're a temple and the ark of covenant, the glory resides in you. John, well, John 17 says, the, the glory that I've given you, Jesus, Father, that glory that you've given me, now I give to them. There's a glory that we carry. But we settle with second best. We think that every now and then to see God's glory is good enough. The glory of God must come back in the temple. Amen. Where is His temple? Where's God's temple? Amen. The anointing has shifted. <laughs> it's in us. The temple is in us. We need the glory of God. We are His temple. You see, the veil was torn. And when God says that you can come in my presence and stay in my presence, not come into my presence once a year, Come in my presence and stay in my presence. There's a purpose and a plan for God for us to walk in His glory. Amen. You see, but, but they, David looked back in history and he looked at, at how because there was such a great time span. And he's king and he sees this is how we do it. He builds a cart because the Philistine took the, the ark of the, of the Lord on a cart. And he comes, verse 3 says, And he carried the ark on a new cart and he brought it from the house of Abinadab. So he comes and he builds this, this, this cart. And a cart, a new cart speaks of our own ideas. Who of you likes to make a plan? Amen. We like to make good plans. We can, we problem solvers. And this new card speaks of us making plans, our own good ideas, our own plans, our mindsets, our worldly ways, our thinking, the world system, because we can solve things. We've got a good plan. 
And you know, so many times we have good plans and we've got great plans and we start doing that and we ask God to bless the plan and He doesn't. And what happens? We become offended, oh God. We become offended. You don't have to raise your hand. Who of you have become offended with God before? That you do things and you think, why is God not in this? Why doesn't God answer me when I pray? Why doesn't God come and He moves? I'm doing all these things. I've got this great idea. It says David got offended with God because of his anger that broke upon Uzzah. And speaking about building an altar, there's a place where we get stuck. I wanna, I'm going to get there. Because building a new cart, what is the correct way to transport the Ark of the Covenant? The shoulders of the priest. That's the way. You see, so David goes back, but not far enough back in history to see that, that they carry the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulder, the Levites, the priest. You are a royal priesthood. We carry the Ark of the Covenant on our shoulders. God comes and puts something on your shoulders. You see, the Philistines move the Ark on an ox wagon. And David sees, wow, and he does something the same manner as the heathens. He does the same as the world system. He does the same as what he sees the others do and he wants to do it. And God says, no, he's got a different kingdom system. The way we carry the Ark of Covenant is on our shoulders. If you want to bring the glory of God, you first has to crawl, have to cross the threshing floor. The threshing floor, and I want to speak today a bit on the threshing floor and the place where we build an altar as we start. Amen. Are you ready? That was just the intro. It's the place where you deal with the flesh. Because you see, David started with a new idea, a cart. And later on you see, okay, he buys the threshing floor. And then he builds an altar. And then when he transports the ark, he does it the right way on the shoulders. And what happens? Every six steps, he makes a sacrifice. God wants you to die to crush the threshing floor the threshing floor you first have to die you cannot cross the threshing floor in your life and move on to see the glory if you don't die you see there's many references to the threshing floor in the bible and there's a significance around the threshing floor that the bible speaks so what happens at the threshing floor there's a process taking place at the threshing floor and it's got a spiritual significance. John the Baptist, he uses imagery of the threshing floor to describe the coming of the Messiah. He says, we will separate the believers from the false. He speaks of that threshing floor, that there's a separation. Because what happens at the threshing floor? There's a separation. The chaff and the fruit of the thing that you harvest amen and 1 chronicles 21 18 you see the angel of the lord commanded Gad. that's Gad is the prophet to say to david that david should go up and build an altar to the lord at the threshing floor of ornan the jebusite so david had sinned and there's a pestilence there's a famine and there or, or there's there's not famine there's death and the angel of the lord is killing the nation of israel and Gad the prophet says, you need to go and fix this. 
You need to go to the threshing floor and you need to build an altar to the Lord so that He can come and restore. And there's an interesting relationship between our worship and the threshing floor. Because how do we build an altar? There's a personal altar. There's a family altar. There's a corporate altar. And your personal altar, family altar, corporate altar consists of prayer, fasting, worship, and the Word. There's a place in the secret place where you spend time in prayer and fasting and in the Word of God, in the worship. There's a place for your family where you have the Word and the fasting and the praying. There's a place for us in the corporate setting where we build an altar for the Lord. An altar speaks. An altar is an access place. And it's either occupied by God or occupied by demonic force because they occupy altars. The stronger comes and it, it rules over the weaker. So the threshing floor is found in Genesis 50. We find the first mention of that. The threshing floor of Atad. That's where Joseph and his brothers come when their father die. Israel. And they mourn their father. Doesn't it seem weird to, to mourn someone at a threshing floor? Why do you mourn someone at a threshing floor? A place where they bring the harvest and they separate the, the chaff and the wheat. And he says, why you mourn at the threshing floor? And we see that later in the Old Testament. We'll get to that. The next reference uh, is in Numbers 15. It speaks that we bring an offering at the threshing floor. Then there's the threshing floor of Nikon. That place where Uzzah was struck. When they cross the threshing floor, the ox stumbled. Uzzah put his hand forth and he struck and he's dead. And David comes and he builds the altar at the threshing floor of Ornan. That's the place he goes and he buys the threshing floor. He takes the ox. And remember that where he says, here my king, here's the ox, here's the plows. Come and make a sacrifice. He says, I will not do it for cheap. I won't take something that doesn't cost me a price. And he buys the threshing floor, he buys the ox, he buys the plows, he builds an altar and he makes a sacrifice. That's the place where the temple was built. The altar. That's the place you need an altar. The temple needs an altar. You need an altar because that's where God is actively active in your life. It's interesting, the threshing floor. It's the place where grain is threshed. And the process of threshing is you harvest. And we're so glad for the harvest, isn't it? Finally, when it's time for the harvest, and skate that I and say, wow, it's such big fruit, so great. God takes it to the threshing floor, and the process is you beat it. It's lying, you have sticks, and you beat it, and you beat it, and you beat it. Have you seen that? No. We'll show you one video. And it beats, and it beats. And then you separate. And then you get the fruit of that. But then there's still a process. There's a grinding. So that the wheat can become flour. So that you can eat. Because you don't eat the wheat just like that. You grind it. So there's a process. So, so the threshing floor, interesting, is a symbolic relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. Boaz meets Ruth at the threshing floor. And she comes the kinsman redeemer, the bride of Christ. 
And it's interesting, at the center of the threshing floor, in the ancient times, you had two big stones. Stone in the middle and a stone that goes on top. They were fitted together or joined together. And they say that the top stone was known as the female and the bottom the male. That's how they named it. And the grinding of this weed or the grinding of the grain was a depiction of this act of marriage. That's what happens at the threshing floor. It's the male and the female and coming together. There's a weed, there's a product going in and it's grinding to produce something. What happens when a husband and wife gets together in intimacy? There's a product, there's something that they produce life. You see, and when you come to the threshing floor and you have a place where you worship, where you have a place where you pray, a place where you, you fast and you see God, a place where you create a sacrifice, an altar, there's a place where you worship, there's a place of intimacy, life comes forth. Amen. Life comes forth. God wants you to, to let life flow. That's an act of, of spiritual communion with God. So at the threshing floor, the ox stumbles and David gets offended and everything stops in his life. There's no presence of God. There's no prayer. There's no healing. There's no provision. Everything stops in his life. And how many of you feel like everything stopped in my life? Don't put up your hand now. Because otherwise they might think that you're offended with God. But we get to a place sometimes where things stop in our lives. You see Ezekiel, Hosea, sorry, Hosea comes. And it's interesting because the threshing floor speaks of an act of marriage and this place of intimacy and life coming forth. And when Israel runs after idols, he says this, that you have played, uh, you, you, you have loved a harlot's earning on the threshing floor. Interesting. That when, when they run after other idols, he says that you loved a harlot's earning at the threshing floor. There's something of unity that one, when God wants to bring life forth, it speaks of your place of, of worship that needs to come forth, a place that, that God brings covenant into our lives. You see, what happens when we get to the threshing floor God brings a time of separation, the wheat from the chaff in your life. There's stuff in our lives, all of us has got stuff. And when you get to the threshing floor, God deals with your flesh first. He wants to separate the chaff and the wheat in your life. And the depiction of the threshing floor as a place of worship in a time of soaking, in a time of worshiping God, that's where he does the threshing, the, the time of cleansing, the time of, of, of separating the wheat and the chaff. It's winnowed out of our lives. Amen. And that place of, of being one with God, the coming together, it's, it consummates your relationship with God. And out of that, Life is brought forth. Oh Lord, your presence is the life. Your presence is my life. And I pray that you start seeing worship as this picture of the threshing floor where we come, where we praise God, but there's a laying down, there's a cleansing. 
You see, what happens is they had to cross the threshing floor, but they stumbled there because now he gets offended and he cannot continue. And God wants to deal with your flesh so that you don't live because you are a sacrifice. Because say, I'm a sacrifice. I am a sacrifice. Paul says that we need to present our bodies as a living, holy sacrifice unto the Lord. So you should be a dead man walking. How many of us have still a lot of issues and stuff in our life? You can raise your hand. Otherwise, you're a liar. <laughs> you see, Pastor Neville always said this. He said, If you're dead, you don't have stuff in your life, issues. You don't have things. We need to die to the flesh. And God wants to deal with the flesh. And the threshing floor is the place where He first deals with our flesh before we have the ark of glory in the city. Before we take the ark of glory and we see all this glory and this wonderful things and how God manifests. He first wants us to do it the right way, to deal with the flesh because God doesn't share His glory with no one. Amen? There's not place for your flesh and the glory of God. There's no place for your flesh and the presence of God. God and everything who He is. And God calls us, He says this, that what happens when you're offended, if you don't deal with your life, when you're offended actually, you cannot die. You cannot kill the flesh. If you're offended, you get stuck right there. Everything stops in your life. And we're moving towards building an altar for God to come and move, for God to restore for God to come and pour out, for God to come and answer, amen? For God to move. We don't need answers from the government, we need answers from God. And for God to come and manifest, He needs to be given a place where we say, Lord, come. I love that song that we say, let's make room. But how many times do we say, Lord, we make room for you and we just continue doing our own thing? And when we say, Lord, we make room for you, we need to step back and allow God to come and move then. Amen? Because how many of us do have that new cart? Lord, we make room for you and we just continue on our cart, doing our new thing. How great idea. This is how we're going to do it. And then we get offended because it's not working. And God wants to deal with our hearts. So when you're offended, you cannot die. You cannot grow. You cannot move forward. God wants to deal with our flesh first. When you deal with your flesh, you will start experiencing the glory of God. You will start seeing the glory of God. I'm almost done. You see, we need to get ready for a shaking in the natural and in the spiritual. Amen? See, it takes a desperate man to come to a place of victory. Why do you think God will give you something that you're not ready to handle? Do you think God will give you something that you're not ready to handle? He will not. So we need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to become mature. You see, Paul says, forget that what lies behind. Focus and set your mind on that what is coming, on the things ahead. And that's the thing. If you offend it, you cannot cross. You cannot fix your eyes on that's what's ahead. You cannot cross the threshing floor. Jesus comes in Matthew and he says, Blessed is the person who does not get offended by me. He says he's the rock of offense, the stumbling block, isn't it? 
But he says, blessed is the man who does not get offended by me. Stumbling block. You see, Jesus was continuing or continually offending the religious establishments. If you have religion in your heart, you'll get offended. You cannot move on. Now you can say, ouch. Some of us, we get offended because we, we don't think God come and does that what we ask for. You think immature. God wants us to grow up. God wants us to grow up. Sometimes we get offended because we think that God demands too much from us. John 16 verse 1, Jesus tells his disciples, he's sharing all these things, he says, so that you won't be offended. I share all these things to you that you will know. He says that you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be, be, be struck down, you're going to be hated, you're going to be rejected. He says when you follow me, it's not going to be a bed of roses. Suffering and loss is involved. And we have a prosperity gospel telling people it's going to be great. And when they get to the kingdom of God, they figure out this is not the real deal. This is not what I signed up for. True? And we go offended. And instead of growing up to mature, everything stops in our lives. Sometimes we get offended because God doesn't meet our expectations. God doesn't meet our expectations. You know, the Lord often works in ways we don't understand. God works in ways that, that we don't understand. But Romans 8 says what? All things work together for the good. All things. All things. You need to trust God. You need to have faith. We sometimes ask and say, Lord, why didn't you answer this prayer? Why didn't you fulfill this promise? Why did you let this happen to me or that? Why are you silent? Sometimes we get offended because why doesn't God show up in time? Why doesn't God just come and, and why does he work so slow? Why does he work? Why is he late? Why does the deliverance take so long? Isn't it? We get offended, but stuff gets stuck in our lives. We get to a place where it halts. You see, waiting on the Lord becomes sometimes a place where we get weary. And that leads to offense. But I want to tell you, God's time is perfect. God's time is perfect. And God wants you to grow up to a mature bride. It's the act of depicting of a bride and a bridegroom. So he's not going to come and do something to just please you. He's got a purpose for you. And he's going to move you so that you can come to the fullness and the maturity. So I'm ending off. David sees what happens to Uzzah and he's offended with God. Offense means this, scandalon. That's the Greek word or, or the word for offense, scandalon. And it means this, trap or snare. Trap or snare. So what happens when you get offended? You step right into that trap. You step into that snare. You step into that place where you're caught up. You cannot move. That's what the word offense means. Scandalon, trap or snare. 
You see, David got offended and what happens? The glory remains with the heathen. The glory wasn't made for the heathen. It was made for the children of God. It stayed at Obed Edom and what does the report say? Hey, Obed Edom is blessed because of the presence of God. When you're offended, sometimes it looks like the enemy is more blessed than you. When we look at the enemy, it looks like God's favoring them much more than you. The question is, what do you need to get rid of? What do you need to die to? Things you see when you're offended with God, you lose your zeal. You lose your zeal for God. You read less, you pray less. You lose your intimacy with God. You become self-righteous. You see God blessing others more. You start thinking that you're not good enough. Come on, just close your eyes. We're ending off. Just close your eyes. Let God speak to you. Because I believe God wants to move us. But it's so, so, so quick and easy to step, scandal on, to step into that snare or that trap. And we become opinionated and, and we just get all these things and we think that God doesn't love us anymore. And all the way it's actually because of the offense, the, the snare that you stepped into and, and the enemy has catched you. He caught you. When you're offended, your faith becomes weak. And maybe you've been waiting upon God and you don't see Him coming through. And if you start looking really deep in your heart and spirit, you've been trapped. You've been snared in. That there's an offense. You see, when David realized that God has got a certain pattern and a certain way, he got the Levites to carry the ark on their shoulders and every six steps he dealt with the flesh. Every six steps he sacrificed. Every six steps he removed the offense. You see, David comes and he says, seek my heart, search my heart. See if there's anything in it that's not giving you glory. Seek my heart. Search my heart. And I pray that you will have a heart like David today that you don't say, Lord, but, but fix this and fix that and because of this, but that you say, Lord, search my heart and show me that if there's anything that I need to kill, that I will kill it that I will deal with the flesh so that the glory of God can come, that He can remove the offense in your heart. You've lost your passion, your zeal, your fire. And God says, I've called you as a priest and you need to attend to the altar and the fire on the altar will never go out. It's not supposed to. He says, it's a command. He says, the fire on the altar should never burn out. But your fire is dimming away. Your fire is dying. You're not maintaining a fire on the altar. 
when there's a fire, it will consume the flesh. It will be a smell, a fragrance that's pleasing unto the Lord. But because we don't maintain a fire on the altar, we look around, we do things our own way, we get offended. And when you're offended, you get stuck and you go nowhere. And I hear today the Lord speak about this, that you will deal with your flesh and you get desperate for God. And today you'll say, Lord, I come and I'll, I will break the trap. I will break the snare. I'll repent and I'll move forward so that we can take the glory of God into the city. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that you just come and speak to every heart. Speak to our hearts. Come on, just, just start to repent if there's anything. Just want to give you this moment right here in the presence of God. Lord, forgive us. Father, to live by faith. If you keep the offense, your faith becomes weak. And God says, the righteous shall live by faith. We move by faith. We walk by faith. And you struggle to walk because your faith fades away. God calls you back to this threshing floor to say, come and be intimate with me so that life can come forth from this relationship. Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, in this week, if there's anything, come and show us that we can deal with our hearts, deal with our offenses, and that we can take up the ark on our shoulders, the glory of God, so that we can walk as priests in service of the King. And that we will be the carriers of your glory. That we will see your blessing. Not because we seek your blessing, but because it's an overflow of the glory that's present in our lives. We honor your presence, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're faithful to take us and to help us. I want to remind you again, whatever is born of God overcomes the world system. God calls you as an overcomer. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just stand together. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness for your mercy, your favor. And thank you, Father, that you minister in the depths of our hearts and in our spirits. And Father, thank you, Lord, that you know what is the mind and the will of God. And Father, I pray that everyone here, as they lift hands, you touch them, 
you bless them, Father, that you will blow into their spirits a new fresh wind, a new fresh anointing, a new fresh oil for this season. And that, Father, we come and we'll spend time at the threshing floor, the place where David bought to say, let's build an altar and later the temple that we will deal with our offenses and that we'll get free, Lord, because you've called us to walk in the glory of God. And you said the glory will cover the earth. I bless everyone. Thank you, Father, Holy Spirit, that you keep on ministering to us during the week and that you will be with everyone and that your words are faithful and true. And as you said, I give my spirit to you that you will overcome us. That you won't get stuck. Just hear the Lord saying you won't get stuck every time in the same calling, in the same pattern, in the same offense. But that God has given you His Spirit to break. To break the snare and to step out in this new season. Not to be stuck, scandalon, to be trapped in, but to break free. Because children of God, they receive the Spirit of God and they walk with Him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I bless them. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we receive the fullness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give glory to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We bless you. We love you. Enjoy this week. If there's any need for more prayer or ministry, we've got a team here. We would love to minister to you. And uh, note, men, come on, tomorrow night, men's evening. Don't miss out. It's just once a month. We start at seven, but come and bring someone, and uh, we've got some, some good news to share in a while. Uh, we've got great plans for the men, so uh, just come and find, what, find, find out what it's all about. Amen. We love you. Be blessed, and enjoy this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit our website at lwpe. .co.za You are formed to function, so let's build.